Welcome to Harrison Church. Thanks for joining us this week. We hope that you enjoy this week's message from Pastor Elizabeth. Good morning. Welcome again to worship this morning. If you notice, we're, we're going kind of on a journey together this morning. Hopefully you've sensed that, starting with the high of the beginning of Holy Week. And then we'll take that journey downward into the depths of Jesus' own experience this week, the depths of the disciples' behavior this week. Last week, I um, brought together Simon Sinek's TED Talk with Mary and Judas and Jesus. And if you were here, you know that I talked about the why of ministry. Why are we doing what we're doing? The, the question now is not how or what, because those answers vary among all of us. But the answer, the question that unites us is the why are we doing this at all? And I realized by the third time I preached the sermon that I hadn't, hadn't answered my why. And I realized and told the third service at the benediction of all times that my why of following Jesus is because he was willing to have dinner with both Judas and Mary. Even that last week of his life, his grace knew no bounds. And I think for this journey of Holy Week, it's the exact same thing. Again, we are at the height of Jesus' recognition and praise and adoration and worship. And before we get to the end of the week, we will be at the very depths of humanity and human behavior and the why, again, for me, is that Jesus was willing to make that journey at all. That Jesus was willing to make that journey for the likes of you and me who bounce back and forth sometimes between utter faithfulness and utter betrayal. If you will, please stand as we read our gospel lesson Today, we'll be doing two different passages, again, starting at the beginning of the week with that very first Palm Sunday and traveling to the end of the week to Thursday, Holy Thursday. Please hear these words from Luke. After he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And when he had come near Bethpage and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples saying, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Just say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were, were sent departed and found it just as he had told them. And they, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying this colt? They said, the Lord needs it. And they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. And as he now was approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory 
in the highest heaven. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. And he answered, I tell you that even if they were silent, the very stones would shout out. And then going on to Thursday from Luke 22, uh, chapter 22, beginning with the 44th verse. In his anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling onto the ground. And when he got up from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping because of grief. And he said to them, why on earth are you sleeping? Get up. And pray that you may not come into your time of trial. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, is it with a kiss that you are betraying the Son of Man? And when those around him saw him that he was, as he was coming, they said, Lord, should we strike him with a sword? And then one of them struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. And Jesus said, none of this. And he touched the ear and healed him. And then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers and the temple police and the elders and all who had come for him, have you come with swords and clubs as if I were a bandit? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this hour is your hour. This hour is the power of darkness. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. But Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a servant girl, seeing him in the firelight, stared at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. A little later, someone else on seeing him said, You are also one of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then about an hour later, still another kept insisting, Surely this man was also with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I do not know what you're talking about. And at that moment, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter and then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him, Before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is the word of God. For the people of God, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. O oh Lord, guide us again on this journey. Lead our praise and help us when we betray you. Lord, we are mindful that even though we may turn our backs on you, you never, ever turn your back on us. In the name of Christ that we pray, amen. So Holy Week indeed is one of these great contradictions of faith. One of these great paradoxes of Christians, believers, getting it right and getting it way wrong. But life 
itself is full of such contradictions, such paradoxes. Think about this for a minute. The more you fail at something, the more you succeed. All right? The more you fail at something, the more you succeed. Edison tried to invent, had 10,000 prototypes of the light bulb before he got it right. Michael Jordan, the first time he tried out for his high school varsity team, didn't make it. UVA, last year, went out in the first round, and this year won it all. <laughs> the more you fail, the more you succeed. How about this one? The more you learn, the less you know. Right? I mean, going, I went to school for 20 years, and I'm constantly reminded how much I don't know. 20 years. And yet my teenager can cut me down in a minute. You just don't get it. These are the contradictions, the paradoxes of life. How about this one? The only constancy is change. The only constancy is change. And you can resist it, but that doesn't stop change. You can opt out, and the world will go right on by. The only constancy is change. And in the Christian faith, paradox, contradiction, is no more apparent, no more apparent than it is on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives epitomizes Christian contradiction. Because we have these two events just days apart in which believers are at their best. And then we are at our worst. The Mount of Olives is this Christian contradiction. Holy Week in and of itself is this contradiction. This life that we face constantly with choices. To opt in to a life of faithfulness or to opt out. And as we make these choices, God has already decided. At our best, at our worst, God will abide with us. Jerusalem, today, in and of, in and of itself, Jerusalem is about a believer's contradiction. If you go there today, you are overwhelmed by the holiness of this city, this sacred space, this city that's been called holy for thousands of years. And you're overwhelmed by that as you enter in, perhaps, on the very Mount of Olives. And yet, for all its sacredness, this is one of the most divided places on earth. And I'm not talking about the three religions that call that place holy. I'm talking about the Christians there. Generations, millennia of division and suspicion and anger, all within this holy city, it's a contradiction. How can that be? When you come in again, perhaps through the Mount of Olives, you start at the very top of the hill, perhaps exactly where Jesus is, perhaps not, but you get what I'm saying. You start at the top. 
And you sense again this sacred space as you look out over the old city and you begin your descent and you know that all you want is just a few moments of quiet so that you can soak it all in and all you get is noise. It's a contradiction. You know as you make that descent on foot, you know that all you want perhaps is just a little bit of peace. To soak in again that space. And yet somebody's standing by ready to sell you something. And as you go further down on foot, perhaps on the path that Jesus rode his colt, all you want to do is get to the bottom safely, and pretty soon a car comes zipping around the corner before you even know it. It's on top of you. And you better get out of the way. Jerusalem is this contradiction as well. We see this throughout life. It's just part of the journey, and the best we can do is to try to just stay on the path with Christ. You experience solidarity with believers from all over the world in this holy city, and yet, again, the divisions are monumental. Back and forth we go, not just in the span of days, but in the span of hours. The contradictions of life, the paradox of life. We who've worshipped a God for 2,000 years, who said those words, for God so loved this world. We who believe those words, who learn them as children, we who know those words are true, still have trouble loving our neighbors near and far. Life is a contradiction. Palm Sunday is a contradiction. The Mount of Olives is a contradiction. Jerusalem is a contradiction. So how is it that we faithfully take this journey? I love it. We're going to begin at the top. Of course, we're going to begin at the top on Palm Sunday. It is a day of all days. Jesus has come into Jerusalem as the prophecy has told. There was a colt tied up just ready and waiting for him. And the disciples untied it and brought it to their Lord and said, Let's go, God. It's good right now. Let's go. And the multitudes gathered around. We're told in the word that now it's a multitude of disciples, not just 12, not just a few women. A multitude of disciples have gathered to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem, shouting words of peace in a week that will turn so violent. And yet they are there. They are shouting these words of welcome. They're excited. The hosannas are proclaimed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank God you're here. Our Messiah, our King. The one who's been journeying with us for these many years. Thank God you're here. And Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem at the beginning of a most unholy week. And he takes that ride and he begins to sense even at the top of the mountain, the winds are changing. Even as you can still hear the Hosanna echoing across the valley, he knows that things are about to change because that's when the religious authorities show up. The purity police, the Pharisees, the one who has their power threatened by the grace of God. 
And the Pharisees show up and, you, you know, hear the Darth Vader music as they enter into the scene, ominous, foreboding. And they sidle up to Jesus and they say to him, they say, Jesus, you got to tell these people to hush. Tell them to stop. This is too much. We're going to draw attention to ourselves, attention that we don't want. Tell them to stop their praises. Hush these hosannas, Jesus. We don't want it. The Romans will take notice. It's messing with our authority. Jesus, make these people, for heaven's sake, stop. And Jesus says, those beautiful words, even if my people cease to praise me, the very rocks will shout out. Even if my people cease to praise me, the very rocks will shout out. Jesus knows how contradictory we can be. How we can go from one minute shouting Hosanna into those moments of hushing our Hosannas. Jesus knows we can go from those moments when the multitudes have gathered to cry out and praise and welcome and adoration and worship to these moments when everybody but the 12 and again a few women will flee and not stay by his side. Jesus knows what it's like literally, figuratively, spiritually, emotionally to start at the top of the Mount of Olives, make his way down and hit bottom. The very bottom. The Garden of Gethsemane. And so our story moves on ahead. We go, we go through a few days. We find ourselves in the Garden of Gethsemane where the contradictions rear their heads once again. Jesus is found alone and praying in the garden. He doesn't ask much of his disciples at that point, right? He's not asking anything of us at that point. He's not asking us to ambush the soldiers that they know are coming. He doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't say to his disciples, you got to get me out of here, guys. No, he doesn't do that. He knows how the week has turned. He knows what is coming his way. And yet, he doesn't ask his disciples to fix a thing. All he says to them, we read it in Mark, all he says to them is stay awake. Stay awake. Abide with me, share these moments with me, help me carry this burden. I don't want to do it alone. Stay awake. It's all he asks. And Luke tells us that they fell asleep. Luke tells us that they fell asleep when all Jesus needed was their presence, was their willingness to be with him in these darkest of moments and God help them they fell asleep and we go from the high and they went from the high down to the depths from shouting Hosanna to their Hosannas just being hushed Jesus again navigates these waters navigates this road goes on this journey with us it begs the question how is it that we could possibly respond to a God who's so willing to stay with us at the high point and at the low point how is it that we are to respond to a God who will soak up the worship because he loves it no doubt 
And yet, how is it that we respond to a God that has grace for us even when we fall asleep? Even when we fail to do something that is so simple? How is it that we respond to God that, who would relish in our steadfastness, our commitment, our faithfulness, who just loves it when we get it right? How is it that we respond to a God who then also will go to hell and back for us when we betray him? How is it, people of God? The question remains, our lives are no less contradictory than they were 2,000 years ago. The contradictions just look a little different. How is it that we respond to the God who goes high and the God who's willing to go low? Jonathan and I um, had a friend who took his life this week. And we were stunned, and we were devastated, we were angry, we were sad. He's an amazing guy, smart, funny. He volunteered with the youth for 20 years. You know he was a saint. He had conquered the darkness in his life, battled depression, had gotten through it. He had conquered the darkness for so long. He had been sober for more than two decades. He got hurt at work and became addicted to opioids. And he went to the depth, a depth so deep that he could not see the light any longer and made a devastating choice. Of course, when something like this happens, the pastor is asked, where was God? Is he with God now? What has happened? What will happen? And I can say without a doubt, based on the word that we read this morning, that God was with him from the highs of his life right down to the pit, and God ushered him into glory. Because ours is a God who knows how contradictory our lives can be. And ours is a God who does not flee from us even when we cannot see his light any longer. God is steadfast. And if Holy Week is about anything at all, it is about the very redemption of paradox and contradiction. It is about God reaching down into the depths of humanity and saying, I love you still. What do we do with a God who loves us that much? Sometimes all we can do is say thanks. Thanks. And God, help me stay with you, even as I know you'll always, always, from the height to the depth, you will always be with me. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we indeed thank you for your abiding presence. We thank you, Lord, for your willingness to accept our worship and praise, even though you know that the hour, the day is coming when we will betray and deny 
for all that you are to us, Lord, for all that you know that we can be, for going to the heights and the depths, and please, God, bring us back to the height yet again. For all of this, we do give you thanks. Amen. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Oh, 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 sometimes it caused me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified? my Lord.